0: So, when you dispose of the bodies, what you want to do is cut it into pieces, put them in the trash bags, and dispose it around the city. We're we're live. Right. But, like I said.
1: (laughs) Keep going. This is The Script, (laughs) Episode 6, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. Today on The Script, we review um, the screenplay for Gravity, uh, coming out. It's uh, directed by Alfonso Cuarón. Um, The Baron gives us a deep, in-depth film analysis of The Canyons, starring Lindsay Lohan. And we're going to get a group discussion going, a bunch of our script doctors talking about the fall films, the fall movies coming out.
2: Explore, do you copy?
3: structure and I'm drifting. Do you copy? Anyone?
1: We're going to start with the script for Gravity. Chris, authors of, who are the screenwriters on this?
0: Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, his son Jonas Cuaron, and Rodrigo Garcia. Uh, who's known, who just, I guess, fairly recently directed Alfred Nobbs, and he directs episodes of Blue, which you can find on Hulu Plus, uh, and I think one or two other places.
1: Yeah, uh, Rodrigo is one of the founders of Wigs, which is a Hulu and a YouTube channel with um, uh, female protagonist-centered content. Right. Okay. Which is...
0: which is. Uh, you know, I guess um, good for this. Schematic
1: for this script. Yeah, right. Okay. Appropriate for this script. Warrone, right. you know, he jumps all over the place. Not necessarily the female protagonist guy, um, but um, he is definitely the special effects guy. What is this little title of this script? This 2009 script that we have there. What's at the end of that? Uh, it's Gravity, a space suspense in 3D. He 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 set out to create a space suspense in 3D. Right. He. Uh, I'm assuming because this is the
0: November 2, 2009 uh, draft, which is about everything I've read said, you know, he, started, he tried to do this four years ago. I mean, this was the concept from the beginning. It was going to be a visual story. Uh, when you when you say something is well, 3D, films are
1: supposed to be visual. Well, yeah,
0: but I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like you know, it's not a chamber piece about personal growth. It's okay. going to be in 3D. I mean, you don't expect to see you it's, know a, the Little Princess in 3D. Unfortunately, which is uh, his right. first English language movie, I want to say. Was it? No, was it? I thought it was. You okay. know, no, no. Uh, to go back far enough. Um, a little, the little princess was like his first, and then that's he fantastic.
1: Did, okay, so, so, so Clairon is known for Great Expectations, Eto Mama Tambien, Children of uh, Men. Children of Men. He did uh, one of the Harry Potter's, Prisoner of Azkaban. He did the what is considered the Empire Strikes Back of. The Harry Potter
0: series. What is
1: the, w- the is most the light? Of, yeah, the and the, of the darkest. Of is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, yeah, I would say so because the previous two are Chris Columbus mm-hmm. uh, yeah, directed. A so soft. He,
1: yeah, you know they were kids well, way to get your so. paycheck and do the best episode in a series at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, because you're going to need that paycheck if you're going to wait seven years to make your next movie. That's how long it's been since Children of Men. What's Quarone up to?
0: Apparently, trying to get this made.
1: Well, you know, he's right. one of the Mexican trio, Inuritu, um and uh, and uh, uh, Mister uh, Del Toro. Yeah. Right. Okay. So he he you know he came out you know several years ago with all those guys blazing. Um, let's see the the co-screenwriter Rod, uh, Rodriguez, uh, Rodrigo. Rodrigo Garcia. Rodrigo Garcia. Uh, he's Colombian. He's not Mexican. Right. Okay. So. Getting towards the movie. You want to talk about the movie today or do we, yeah, we talk I, mean, about, I guess so. You know, the the murder you may or may not have committed before <laughs> you walked in the tour. Uh, let's go with the movie. I mean Well we read it, yeah. we had the <laughs> script, so
0: oh, fine. You know, yeah. So what did you
1: think of it? Gravity is very interesting, okay? When Caron does his Amer when he did Children of Men, it felt like a European film to me, okay? It felt more like a European post-apocalyptic action thriller, right? Right. Um, The closest thing to a European... The closest thing to a European... It was a heist movie, essentially. Right, right. It reminded me a lot of... of uh, I don't want to say Layer Cake, or the way Layer Cake was like a European bond. Um, The Constant Gardener. You know, it was yeah, a European yeah. thriller. So it had that feel to it. This script is has American movie written all over it. The dialogue, the comedy, it's all American Western kind of jokes. Yeah, definitely. I got that feeling. It's totally that, written for an American audience, especially with um, shoot, George
0: the what's it, Matt character, the George Clooney character, yeah. essentially. I mean, Lieutenant Kowalski. Yeah, it's like Clooney, I Clooney's
1: Polish.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, uh-huh. you know, well, fair enough. It's just like it, that. It, it had American written all over it. Uh, uh-huh. You know, red, white, and blue. All you know, all through and through. Right. Which makes some of the stuff. I don't want to say stand out, but it's like later on when when the main character is trying to survive, she doesn't go for you know. She doesn't end up at the, the the space shuttle. She ends up at the you know the Russian module of the you know the space station, the oh, Japanese yeah. module, yeah. and then she takes the Russian ship from the, the space station to the Chinese space station, and so on and so forth. So, so what are
1: you saying? This is like a, the Olympics? Like everybody gets to play? Like, it,
0: it almost I don't know. It's it, I haven't really thought about it until I just started talking about it now. But it just seems like the first thing that gets destroyed
1: is the Atlantis shuttle. Okay, and, so, and then
0: she has to go so, to
1: these. So the American ship gets blown away. The Hubble gets blown away. Right. The first two things that get destroyed. The next are thing is the thing. ISS. You're right. We <laughs> <laughs> not got all the American, uh, 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 the, you know, inter- galactic space
0: vehicles at once. And then you go to the ISS, which is an, a joint American international venture, and that gets you know blown out know, of the yeah. water. And so then she winds up at the Chinese space station, which. My impression is going to break up upon entry, because because right. yeah, I, I, uh, it, it was that one that had the. Um, we're, we're getting
1: out. We're, yeah, we're running right way ahead right. here. First, the most important thing you said is the main character. She right. Uh, Sandra Bullock. Ryan. Her name. Her character's name is Ryan. Doctor, Ryan Stone. Doctor Stone is turns out to be the main character. Okay. Little summary of the movie. Two bunch of bunch of people, bunch of astronauts on the Atlantis space shuttle working on a mission. Okay, and the Russians, thanks very much, Russia, decide to blow up one of their satellites with like a missile, sending debris. Not not just regular like regular debris, but, but like super debris, super debris that it that is in orbiting debris. Right. So every 40 minutes, this debris comes around. That was an excellent mechanism. Yeah. Great works. mechanism. Because a nice ticking clock. Yeah. Every uh, 40 minutes, the debris is coming back. You and, and got has, out of the way. She
0: has a literal clock on her. You know, she has like sets a clock every yeah. 40 minutes. Yeah. So there's at, a literal. At the midpoint,
1: you know, she actually guy six like, ah, minutes till it comes back. Yeah. It was a great job. Um, and then it's a series of, as any thriller, it's a series of The People Who Are Alive Trying to get home, um, jumping from one stone to the next yeah, to was, get across the river.
0: Right, it was literally one goal after the other. Right, and each step of the way, it felt like literally each step that they took had a huge problem with it. Yeah, and, which we, yeah. which
1: is good screenwriting because it, you don't you, you you assume the debris is going to screw up everything. Ah, uh, every problem is going to be a hole gets punched in. In, in the spacecraft, and that's the problem. But no, they found a lot of other problems. A lot of them were a hole gets punched. Yeah, a lot of them, <laughs> and a few of them, and a lot of them were I can't reach the thing. Yeah, I yeah. can't reach the thing because I'm floating around. <laughs>
0: I mean, oh, it's at an awkward angle, and it's like she's trying when later on when she's at the ISS, uh-huh. the International Space Station, she has to unscrew something, Dude, and it's at my an first, odd angle.
1: My, first of all, this is kind of a retro thing. I mean, yes. this, these shows have been grounded. Okay. The spacesuits that they're using are old. I've seen on the internet some new spacesuits yeah. that NASA is going to use in the future that are much more flexible, right? And, I mean, I would have jumped ahead, like, slightly, at least, like, normal near future. But, you know, they wanted to use all these old sort of uh Well, it's, these, yeah, because, I mean, the Hubble, I
0: think the Hubble's going to be out of commission in a couple, like, a year or two, mm-hmm. and obviously the Atlantis... R.I.P. the NASA space program. So okay,
1: uh, so but, but but you know by the by the beginning of the second act, everybody's dead except Clooney and, and Matt uh, Kowalski and Kowalski Stone. Kowalski and Stone. What is this? Like is a, a spinoff of like of some eighties like like Sarsky and Hutch or something? Yeah, basically. Uh, I think it's Sarsky and Hutch in space. and <laughs> it. Anyway,
0: looking back on it, you know, in all the ads that we see, it looks like because Clooney has star power, you kind of figure it's going to be the pair of them.
1: And there's a there's a little bit of a budding get to know you, maybe romance scenario where he's like, so what do you do for? Fun. Well, you see, I think that is... provides the comedy in the I, first I, I, act. I to this that totally second.
0: differently. Like, what did you she, take it? She's not really... Kind of, she hates space, which she says a couple of times. Right. I hate it up here. And so he's just, like, kind of trying to take... He's done this forever, and it's, like... The thing that, like, led, I think, would lead a reader to believe that Mr. Kowalski, or Commander Kowalski, is going to be the main character, is, like, he hates it because it's, like, his last time that he's going to be doing a spacewalk, and he's looking at this and right. like he's going to miss it. And
1: he's, like, the beauty of space, a little bit, and she doesn't even want to be up there, because she's a... She's a She's a lab rat. She's so, a scientist who happened to do some interesting experiments. So
0: they took their, their cards uh, as to who the main character is going to be. I think when the the, the Russians have shot the satellite and the, the debris is coming their way, and they're like, "You have you know thirty seconds to get." You have, she needs thirty seconds to do this one job: replace a plate. And they go, we well, have twenty, and so she doesn't stop fixing the the problem until you know okay, they have to Okay, I her did wife.
1: not get that at all. I did not get that at all because Clooney is like, all right, let's let's, let's get, get it, it in, and she's like, no, I'm going to finish so, the so, job. So the thing which is, didn't like, work for me. Hold on, because it, it was it was totally out of character so far, even though it was only about fifteen pages in. So far, she was like nervous, didn't want to be there. Um, and she didn't speak loud enough over the microphone. Right. And Clooney is more of a let's-get-it-done kind of guy.
0: Right, and so the thing about that is like, Clooney's used to being up there. He doesn't have anything to learn. He doesn't and have later, to
1: learn to later, Clooney has to tell her, promise me you're going to get there. Promise me you're going to finish. Right. So, so what you're saying is that when they tip their cards, I think it's less of a tip of the hand, more of a promise of her arc. Yeah. She's going to go from being a little bit of... Uh, of a fraidy cat to someone who will get it done, who will get home despite you know a shitload of obstacles, and they are literally are obstacles <laughs> up to the last minute. That's one of the great things of this script. Okay, she th- she could die up until the last minute of this film.
0: Yeah, and I have to admit, reading it, there were one or two moments where I thought, if they pile this on anymore, it's going to be a little parody. But I do think it worked all the way through.
1: Well, the only thing that I let me believe that this thing was going to actually a possibility she could die was that this was like Quaron and and he's like a Latin filmmaker and. Maybe this is not a fully Western movie. Maybe they could kill them. Well, okay, so then... Or, 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 I just had a little ounce of, like, Children of Men Apocalypse. She gets there and... Then dies. And, no, she gets there and... and you know, Russia has nuked the United States. That was (laughs) part of of why they shot the satellite down. And it's an apocalypse and and there's a little boat and she's going to get it. I I kind of
0: wondered because it's like you have this cloud of debris going and it keeps growing every time it passes around because every time it breaks something, more debris joins it. And it's like, how are they gonna? How are people gonna have the internet? How are they
1: gonna have satellite communication? And they've taken like, out all the satellites. I feel like maybe I feel like maybe there's been a nuclear war. Well, it doesn't. My, what I'm saying is like
0: it doesn't seem like it's stopping. We actually don't know. Yeah. Because I mean, I, that, one of, I, one know, one of was, the
1: one of the rules the writers of this script adopted was once they're up there, once the uh, second act begins, is you will never hear another voice. They will have no help from other human beings. Yeah, in this movie. she calls it's NASA, over. NASA a couple of times. We never—they continue to narrate to NASA what they're doing, which is a great mechanism for exposition um, for us, because, uh, hoping that NASA will come back in until she finally gets. One radio signal. How do you feel about that? I actually liked it because it's like
0: she's trying to talk to the guy. She, so she gets a, a like. I don't a massive, know what language he was speaking. Well, I think that's kind of the point. It was like, like just, Hungarian, or maybe they made it up. It was gibberish. So she gets like a, a like a ham radio guy. Mm-hmm. Like she this gets is right signal. at the low
1: point of the movie, yeah. where she so, she it's pretty much she has no no options, nothing's gonna work, and she's just drifting. And it's pretty much the low low point of film. Has
0: she even gone to the Chinese station at that point?
1: No, no, no. She can't
0: get to the Chinese or she's station. she's on the Soyuz. She, and... Yeah, she
1: can't get to the Soyuz. She can't get it going. So she gets the, the
0: radio and she's like, okay, I'm going to die here. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's like I've lived, I'm in space, I hate space, but let's be honest, compared to other people, that's a pretty good life. No, she's, she's
1: starting to come to grips with death. We're yeah, having she's, this with death moments, like and the, she's, dark literally, the she's literally freezing. Yeah, uh, she's it's cold, like six right. negative eight degrees, and she gets the she gets a crackle on
0: the radio, and she hears this guy talking. Sounds like an older gentleman. I think he even
1: gets his kid on at one point. He no, she hears sounds of dogs, oh, yeah. which is wonderful because. Maybe we know that the person. one thing she has is is a dog. That's yeah, the one thing the that dog. Clooney got out of her <laughs> is that she like, has a little dog. She but, has well, and, and
0: It seems I think that speaks to character as well because it's not like she has a Labrador Retriever. She has like a little yippie dog that you can yeah. fit in your bag. Yeah, um, and she's embarrassed, but you know she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah she, that, that. she
1: doesn't even admit to it, right? Yeah, but see, she's the kind of so what's great is at the, at the midpoint of this film. Not they don't wait to the low point at the midpoint. Clooney dies. Yeah, right away. She's alone. That's about raising. That's how you raise the stakes. Yes, the stakes are raising from uh, you know going from the space shuttle, jumping from the space shuttle to the to the to you know uh, like getting to the international space station, and then having that blow up, and then getting to the Russian space station, and then having that blow up, and then getting to the Chinese station. Space Station, and having that blow up. I mean, the escalation there. But more importantly, she's on her own by by the middle.
0: This is probably one of the few issues I had with this script, was when Kowalski dies in the middle, uh, which is a great midpoint and a great raising of the stakes. And a
1: surprise, you know, Clooney dies which which is nowhere.
0: Which is is fine, you know, but I feel like you need another person physically there with her, because, so, if that, this is a 98-page script, and if she dies on page, um... For, or if he dies, I should say, on page 49, we have 49
1: more pages to go. And, and so we got, we've got a sort of a castaway problem where yeah, right. a, she needs a Wilson to talk to. Well, not, no, that's actually not what I mean. She,
0: yes, she needs somebody to talk to. Actually, I had no problem with that. What she needs is somebody else there that we were introduced to in the first act who might also live.
1: I kept hoping there would be uh, a Chinese astronaut on the space station. Well, no, no, not even that. No, what I mean is... But I'm, I'm
0: agreeing with you. No, what I'm saying is somebody from the first act who's uh, was along with her, because once we hit the midpoint... Who we thought was dead, who no, no, wasn't dead. I don't care, because now that we've hit page 49... Superman shows up. That's two, fine with and, you. That's fine. No, hey, fine. As long as... If you have two people by the midpoint, and one person at the midpoint dies, and you still have 49 pages to go,
1: we she just, can't die. You know she can't die.
0: <laughs> Which takes away some of the tension for me. So it's like... I I, I kind of like it that there was a little difficulty because even I had it uh, with who's the main character is it Stone or is it Kowalski which I'm sorry you know, in the first twenty minutes maybe right but then it's like when Kowalski in the first half, dies you right, right
1: you're right for the first, we don't know who the, who the main character is. so it's like what did he do just accidentally mm-hmm.
0: hit like you know, break, you know, page break for the next 49 pages. And, you know, we
1: have yeah. blank. So the, the, I, I think that's kind of an issue because it's like, look, this, this film reminded me, okay, this is a, this is a, this is a suspense thriller in space, right? Gotta get home. Okay. So this film reminded me a lot of any contained thriller, like, um, we're, we're, halfway through, you know, you're still not out of the house you're still not halfway you're still not you still you're you're in a worse position than you have been in in um what was the what was the movie was in a box buried yeah no, okay remember not buried the teen thriller right yeah it's literally Literally, he's <laughs> in a box right and he can and he has no one else um in the box with him but he's got a guy on a phone he's got a uh, someone who calls him up who's supposed to be helping him he's talking to at least two or three people on the phone throughout the whole movie um, so I agree with you to some degree. Now,
0: once well, she hits the third act, yeah. that's when I think things ramp up again because well, now, but that's, it's like, yeah,
1: no, traditionally that's why at the low point somebody dies and she can be alone then. Breaking into the third act. But but if you want to
0: keep tension going throughout the rest of the second act, I mean, we know she's going to make it to the third act. And then, because what are you going to do? Show pretty pictures of the earth until the end of 49 pages? No, yeah. you're going to have to have something. To, that said, I mean, it's kind of a minor problem because, yeah. you know, this is... Well, this,
1: while, is, this is, you know, for Quaron, this is his... Quaron is known for uh, to, totally geeking out on... Camera angle cinematography special effects, okay? He has these shots in his films that go on forever. Yeah, because Y2Mama Ambiente was so effects heavy. Um, not effects, okay, but no, they're <laughs> it hidden. Did, it they're look hidden. Really good. Quarling's effects are hidden. He doesn't want them, you to see them, right? He has all these great long, long, uh, seemingly long takes in uh, Children of Men where the camera follows you down the street and then somehow into the bus. And it creates um, more of a Well, that's an easy enough
0: effect. You just put it on a
1: SETI cam and follow the version. No, 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 no. He's doing, the he one. does impossible <laughs> stuff. And he and he doesn't tell you how he does it. What he does is he digitally grabs two two well, things together. That's that's his secret. But he likes to geek out on the cinematography thing so he can get two people together in a two shot. Talking where he gets more of a theatrical feel, more of a going, to, you know, seeing a play kind of a feel. Sure, sure. And all so right, you go to run, space, yeah. you go to you go to gravity now, and he gets to geek out on all the cinematography stuff and a bunch of uh, real special effects stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this script that's like point of uh, POV from the helmet. I can, That's gonna get. That's gonna get really. Like, like nausea-inducing, especially like all these Well, so I effects. Think,
0: like, what you were saying is, like, I think more to the point, it's not so much that he's into the technology. The technology helps him. What he likes is a good, strong visual. Because yeah. in Itumama Bien, I don't imagine he had a lot of computer effects going on. Mm-hmm. I think he had a great cinematographer, who I think is also the cinematographer in this, whose name escapes me. Uh, I think his nickname is Chivo, which was in an article I read. Okay, uh, and, and he likes a great visual because all of his movies look great. What what uh, what made his Harry Potter movies stand out was it was visually strikingly different than the first two. Yeah. So that you know, more so to that point, what we have in the script is you know Sandra Bullock or Doctor Stone in space trying to survive and get from one from a shuttle to a space station to a space station to Earth. But you know what it strikes me is. I don't want to say it's an excuse, but what it allows him to do is use the technology, the 3D technology, I'm going to assume IMAX technology, to give us an experience much like the IMAX film In Flight. Or To Uh Fly, I'm sorry. To To Fly. Fly. Okay, Which is, you should go to the Smithsonian, the Air and Space Museum. I forget how much. It it might not cost anything. It's been a while. Uh, And the idea is, like, you have this seven-story tall screen of... Almost POV shots of you flying over something. Yeah, and because the the image fills
1: your field of view. Yeah, it feels you, like you're there. You're
0: there, and of course, oh my god, we're
1: all well, going to get to go to space. Thank right. you, Alfonso Cuarón. Which, okay, uh, all, right, all right. So, biggest strengths and
0: weaknesses of this script. Uh, it doesn't stop. There's always something going on. Like there's always he no- moves
1: forward very quickly, but that's not that's not enough. He dra- each each new obstacle does escalate, and he does. Uh, surprise you. It's not just oh, there's a, you know, debris punches a new hole in a thing. There are a lot of little things. There's some decent, like I said, western you know, American oh, yeah, kind yeah. of joking going on that there's keeps a good it ticking light. clock because she's good got 40 clock. minutes yeah. until... Yeah, that, that mechanism is basically the best thing, um, best um, I would say best uh, thing idea in, in, the, in this script. Yeah. You know, orbiting debris between... You know, 300 kilometers and 600 kilometers. Get away from it. Um, And there's a good sense of humor in this. The frog... Right? She saves the frog. Leave no frog behind. I,
0: that was one of my favorite bits. Yeah. Right.
1: and Which is great.
0: I'm glad the frog
1: survived. And, and then when she's drowning by the suit in the water back on Earth. The frog flies the in So swimming by That was hilarious. So
0: I hope that does make it into the final film.
1: Yeah. Um, so that was good. The, it was a surprise that Clooney dies. That was a strength. Um, the You know, de- definitely pulling us through. Um, all the chapters of this suspense thriller. Um, I really hope it moves fast. I hope they don't try to slow it down. No, I didn't see it um, any time on it. I can't I was surprised that it, yeah, it was Sandra Bullock, the, the f- strong female protagonist um, film, even though she gets into her underwear, how many times? I think it
0: was like two times, yeah. Two times. Well, well I got if you count the swimming at the end. Okay. It, which is, it was uh, Ripley at the end of Alien, Nudity, or stripping down because it was like a t-shirt and other. Okay, underwear. so yeah. not
1: totally demeaning, a little bit of a little... <laughs> well, I mean, what are you going to wear? But Sandra Bullock, you know, she's, she's got to be in her late 40s, so she, she, way to th- show it off. Yeah knock, yeah, knock it out of the park there. Uh, it's one of those
0: things where it's like, you know, science, the, the mm-hmm. vision of science fiction was always like the silver jumpsuit with the,
1: the, the yeah. blue V on the chest, and the reality is like sweatpants and a t-shirt. Yeah. So at least it keeps it at. Challenges. Uh, they, there's nothing super original about this space movie, too.
0: No, it, it strikes me as just something for Corone to show off a, a visual spectacle, which I'm okay with. Right. I mean, it, this has the good beats. It always has escalating goals. You know, there's always a clear you're goal. Doing
1: a, you're doing a movie in space, and you don't use, you don't take any futuristic leaps. You're, you're, that, means, that means that this is aimed at the NASA geeks, not the science fiction geeks. No, true. Science fiction geeks is a much broader. Um, niche to satisfy, you know. I you know this. This is about like everything that NASA actually has and it is up there. So you could have taken some near future things. In fact, that's a great part uh, structurally for your second half of your second act. A way to surprise us is to introduce some tech or some um, novelties you know, that that, okay that we that. didn't know about that because you are ambiguous about when this is taking place, and now you can surprise us. So I thought that was opportunity I, lost.
0: I, I, I'm i okay with that because it's like the Bourne, the Bourne series of films used off-the-shelf tech for their movies. They didn't use anything that would, you know, put them... This is a
1: movie about spaceships in space, dude. I'm just okay with that. Bourne is trying to strip down the spy movie, take away, you know, James Bond's... Um, I, am, I am perfectly okay, okay with this, this is fact, a movie where we
0: go into this movie And there is noise in outer space I want my money back No but they talk about that in the script They're very good about oh, Okay but about in the, in the trailers medicine. In the trailers There's noise in the trailers But they talk about They put it in the trailers So they can like okay. Have action Do
1: you have any weaknesses To the script Or is this because, a the, hug to I would Cuaron. say that Honestly
0: this is a hug Because the intention of the script Isn't We're not going to do A groundbreaking story We're here to Set up visuals And we're going to have These amazing visuals and we're going to have a clear through line for the story. We have to get to it's point a, a to point B. pretty good
1: story. Point B to point C. Probably some great set pieces, in, but in, in nothing enormously room. original happened here except for orbiting debris, and I want to end on that note. Uh, I think it's a great movie. I want to call it or- Orbiting Debris. They should have named the whole movie <laughs> Orbiting Debris because it has nothing to do with gravity. Well, it
0: starts pulling the ships, in, the space stations into the, the gravity Scary, of the Scary
1: Awesome Orbiting Debris, that's my title. <laughs> uh, well, there's a reason that you're not titling movies. I'm David Negra, I'm here with Chris Theokas. Um, this is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective.
4: Good evening and welcome to The Baron's Corner. Uh, The Baron receives a lot of mail. And I wanted to take a little time on this episode to um, read a letter from a uh, fan uh, who is thinking about attending film school as a screenwriter. And uh, they sent me this as sort of their personal statement a lot of film schools ask for a personal statement before they will allow you to enter so uh, well you know I got this one I thought uh, I thought I'd give them a little bit of time here and read this here we go I, I uh, the school is in the south but uh, I can't mention the name because that would be indiscreet UT personal statement from a fan of the Baron I guess, but I'm not entirely sure, that my interest in writing dates back to a major bicycle injury when I was 14, or, or wait, no, 13. My friend's father and I had just installed new handbrakes on my bike. My own father was asleep, and we didn't know that you're supposed to put them on the rear tire. I found out the hard and painful way that afternoon on my, home, on my way home from 7-Eleven. Uh, 7-Eleven was a small convenience store that carried mostly food and auto items and also things like magazines and genre fiction paperbacks. You could also buy sodas individually or buy the six-pack. I love that place. That store was perched high up on a steep hill. It was a bitch getting up there, but if you kept going, um, it was a fast-slope home. Uh, My last memories of that day are getting on my bike with a Mountain Dew in one hand and a copy of Mad in the other. I steered my bike out of the parking lot and pointed myself down the hill. I felt the wind in my hair as I began to pick up speed. I don't know if it was because I was weighed down by the 16-ounce soda or what, but I really began to go fast. A car blurred by me going up the hill and I heard a lady yell out of the open window, Hey, kid! You better slow down or you're liable to get killed or, at the very least, seriously injured and damage your bike to boot. Or something to that effect. She was right, of course. I panicked and applied the brakes, and I'll bet you can guess what happened next. I awoke in a gurney three weeks later. At least it seemed like three weeks, but my mother told me it was more like three years. I'd missed the first semester of college already. My father was not surprised. She'd been reading to me while I was in a coma and caught me pretty much up to the freshman requirements at the community college I would someday proudly accept my associates from. This is what writing means to me, and I hope you accept me to your program. I read your school as high up on a hill— I hope you understand that my bicycling days are behind me. Listener, I don't have to tell you that that is a personal statement. That kid, if that school has any sense at all, is going to put him right up to the front of the line. I mean, could you believe the detail, the personal detail? That's it. And proof of great writing? There it is right there. That was a screenplay in about two hundred and fifty words, anyway. Great job. Good luck. Send the baron a postcard from Hollywood Now, the producers onto the meat of the segment here. The producer sent me out to see. The Canyons, which was released this year in 2013, directed by Paul Schrader, written by Brett Easton Ellis, starring Lindsay Lohan and James Dean. Yeah, I said Lindsay Lohan, you you know her from Mean Girls and other films, and I said James I said uh, James Dean. Uh, and, uh, you're saying, wait, James Dean died in what? 1955. Well, and this is a different James Dean. Now you may have seen this James Dean, uh, from films like the lust resort. Don't tell my husband or anal buffet eight. No. Okay. Well, anyway, he's a crossover actor from the uh, world of pornography. And I got to say, uh, of all the problems of this film, That guy's the least of their problems. Let me read you the log line here. When calculating young movie producer Christian, that's uh, Jimmy Dean, makes films to keep his trust fund intact, his actress girlfriend Tara Lindsay Lohan hides an affair with an actor from her past. But when Christian becomes aware of said affair, it thrusts the young actor angelinos that's dean into a violent sexually charged tour through the dark side of human nature um schrader as you may know from films such as taxi driver and american gigolo is likes to plumb the dark side of human nature And uh, he uh, does, uh, does that in spades in this film. But interesting that he opens the film up with shots of empty movie theaters that have gone out of business. And about halfway through the film, you're wondering, you know, maybe the reason some of these movie theaters are dark is because feature films have sort of if they're not big tentpole superhero films, have become films like this. Uh, where's the great writing? Brett Easton Ellis. He wrote less than zero. You you couldn't tell from this film. And uh, director Paul Schrader. Where is the subtlety? Where is the world, uh, the inner world of the characters? It's more of a surface level LA. Actors are all whores. And some of them are psychotics. But I want to split from this film for a second and just say that it reminded me of Starlet, which came out the year before. And many of you can find this on your Netflix accounts. Uh, This one is an unlikely friendship between 21-year-old Jane, that's Dree Hemingway, and the elderly Sadie, that's uh, Besedka Johnson. And they discover a hidden stash of money inside an object at Sadie's yard sale. Now, this was an excellent little film. Interesting also that Zoe Voss, who was the bottle, body double for uh, Dree during the uh, unsimulated sex sequence, uh, interesting, we had two porn stars in each film. One, the Canyons, chose to use one as a principal actor, and the other one just used them as a body double. Uh, anyway, the... Uh, Barron found that interesting. Starlet was done much better, and I think that Dree Hemingway's a spectacular find. The script was wonderful. It was wistful. Um, it didn't have any of the of the dark negativity and cynicism that the Canyons had. Uh, Paul Schrader making a film about people in their twenties. Uh, it's just like he. Forgot what it was like, I guess, to be in his 20s. Whereas Sean Baker and the writer Chris Burgosch, uh got it exactly. I think the film was just as smart as it needed to be. And it was a great film, and it was the one that I had hoped to be sent to, but alas, I was sent to the Canyons. That, I believe, is it. Um, my butler... What? No. I'm, no, no, just... I'm, why would I want soup? No, no, why why would I want soup now? Can't you see that I'm doing a radio review? Well, yeah, just take it into the other dining room. Don't warm it up, it's vichy It's supposed to be cold. What are you, God, Henry, Henry, Uh, you probably have the same problem with your butlers that I have with mine. On that note, the Baron bids you a farewell and a uh, happy fall to come up. I'll say goodnight. Look for the small films, my friends, and I'll see you next time in the Baron's Corner.
1: All right, this is NYC Screenwriters Collective. The script, this segment we're doing... We've got a, we've got one two three four five six seven members of the staff, the NYC Screenwriters Collective, to talk about movies and television that we're looking forward to this fall. Starting from the left, what are you looking forward to, Tony?
3: Wow, I'm looking forward to August Osage County, which even though Victoria says it's had bad reviews, which would mostly be just press. Um, I saw the play in New York City with the original Tony-winning cast, and I thought it was brilliant writing, and I know. The film is written by Tracy Letts, just mm-hmm. as the play was. And I've seen the trailer a bunch, uh, you know, Meryl Streep.
1: It's great casting for, yeah. for, um, for Julia Roberts. Julia this is Roberts, actually a really great those role for her. two working
3: together mm-hmm. is interesting. Um,
1: I'm happy. So, I'm, I, I, saw the play okay. when it was in New York too. It was, you know, drama. It was like three hours of, oh my God, you leave emotionally, like totally sapped. I thought it was a satisfying ending. But, Victoria, you're saying people saying the ending doesn't work on screen. Right. Without analyzing or giving it away because none of us have seen it. Why, why would that be a problem? Well,
2: that's only what I've read. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't see the play. So.
1: You don't know all and see all, Victoria?
2: I don't know all and see all. I My only... world is shattered. I can't even remember the ending. I just remember I that I
3: that. was satisfied, and I was satisfied. It was so too, relatable, even though it's so over the top.
1: But you know, I think the, the, if the ending worked in the play, there's no reason it wouldn't work on on film. Especially, you know, a lot of these plays that get made into movies, like you um, um, good men. Thank you, a oh, great example that got improved. Yeah. That is like far improved, but that's because Sorkin did like a bunch of drafts. You know, and he was answering to producers before he became right. king of the world. Um, But I was thinking of Doubt. I was thinking of Carnage. Um, Carnage. Killer Joe. Carnage was only okay as a play. It it didn't kill. Um, Doubt was very, very well received as a play, but...
2: Not well received as a film. Because of the ending? Because because of the ending.
3: But it won Academy Awards for the actors.
1: Actors, yeah, certainly. But, you know, the, the problem with a play with an ambiguous ending, you know, a theater... A theater crowd, doubt has this ambiguous ending. Not an ironic ending. An ironic ending is when we have a positive and a negative charge. It's just totally ambiguous. I think it works for It works for, for a, theater. a theater crowd, not so much for
4: the movie-going public. Plays often have, but if you look at it, uh, compared to movies, much more ambiguity in the endings. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That was a successful play. Mm-hmm. though it didn't win him any awards. The next one did, Delicate Balance, mm-hmm. but uh, the uh, any major awards. The, um, the movie, uh, you can't get any more ambiguous. Yeah. It's about a baby. It's not about a baby. It's about two homosexual couples. It's not about two homosexual couples. Mm-hmm. It ends with them at sunrise just by the window. Now it's the new, it's the new day. Wildly successful film.
0: Chris, what are you looking forward to? So, this fall? I am looking forward to 12 Years a Slave. It's Steve McQueen directed. Uh, John Ridley uh, uh, wrote the script based on the book by Solomon Northup, who is the, you know, it's, it, who it's about. It's his biography or autobiography. Uh, a northern free black man kind of finds himself in the South where he is, cap- I, I want to say, captured and held 12 years as yeah, a slave yeah. in slavery. All star. Cast an amazing cast, yeah, ridiculous. Michael K. Williams, Omar from The Wire, fantastic. Uh, Michael Fassbender, Chiwetel Ejiofor, oh, uh, one Pitt. of my
1: favorite actors, Brad Pitt, Ben Bell.
0: Paul Dano, Paul Giamatti, um, all the all the winners. All and, the winners. And, this has
1: Oscar written all over it it. it. it
0: Does and I think I I really like John Ridley as a writer. He writes, he does novels, but he also has written a lot of uh, screenplays. He did U um, Turn and. Uh, Oliver Stone film, but my, one of my favorites. He did Three Kings. Oh, great, great script. Uh, great, great script. Movie. He did. He does a lot. He he's done a lot of television, including Justice League of America. Oh, <laughs> forthcoming. You're jumping to the TV yeah, segment, so, Chris. But yes, but you know, so he's. a I really love him as a writer, uh, John Ridley. So I'd be. I, yeah, not just Steve McQueen, but I want to see this because of John Ridley. Uh, in terms of TV, it's already started. No, 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 no. Ah, okay, go for it. Uh, Agents of Shield. Um, agents of shield breaking bad's ending so of course i'm a little upset okay Uh, any predictions for no god no okay this is one of the few things that i've not spoiled myself
1: on okay good for you um paul what
5: are you looking forward to in the fall uh two movies spring to mind and a little bit of tv um i do look forward to captain phillips um i've only Mm -hmm. really seen trailers for it and sort of carpal a little bit of buzz, but it's a classic Tom Hanks role. He plays every man hero. It looks spectacular. It looks very, very well done. Tanker on the high seas. Um, I know the story relatively well, so I'm curious, and I think gen- the general population will know how it ends, and we all know how it ends. So I'm curious how the film will actually maintain drama and suspense when the ending is preordained. It's well documented exactly how it ends. But it looks tremendous, so I think they're probably going to solve that challenge uh, in the storytelling, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, uh, Billy Ray is listed as the uh, the first writer of it on IMDb, uh-huh. uh, I, mainly because I think he has a picture. Right. Uh, he did The Hunger Games, uh, the remake of State of Play, uh, Breach, Flight Plan, Suspect Zero is, I think, one yeah. of the ones he got known for it. I, some sophisticated... Art there. Shattered Glass, Hearts War, Volcano. Good writing. Well, Volcanoes of Mask. A very impressive master. Hidden Assassin with Dolph Lundgren.
1: Oh, man. Uh, he's got some... T- oh. T- oh, no, oh, no. oh, even better, even better, Color of Night. Th- that is a famous Bruce Glass. for reasons we can't talk about on this podcast. Because this cause is a family
0: movie. But, okay. I mean, the guy's got a good filmography, solid writer, and he's working
5: with Paul Greengrass. Any TV you're looking forward to? Yeah, well, I started watching uh, *Sleepy Hollow, and I think it's just really pretty tremendous so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they're taking a classic um, gothic horror uh, mystical story. It's very well-known to everybody. It has about two facts in the actual story. I was going to say, there's not a lot of meat to that myth. There's not. So they actually have built in a very compelling and interesting layer of scene two episodes. They're building in a very interesting layer of backstory um, about... Obviously, it's about the headless horseman. Yeah. about Crane comes back to life in the modern era.
1: See, this is, this is great. This is what they did with, um, with Walking Dead is you don't have a lot of meat to the myth, so you build new mythology to it. Right. This is what Battlestar Galactica did. Right. The original series didn't have a lot of meat. Right. To the
5: myth you at, you build in your own. But the challenge is to make the, <clears throat> the story and the adding, basically adding to the lexicon of this story, just like of Galactica and all the vampire movies do. Yeah. Every time you make a vampire movie, you add a new fact to vampire mythology. I know, play. but you know the vampires came with a bunch. So. Right. But so this, with this, show, <clears throat> with this show, they actually seem to be keeping very much in the spirit and context and culture of the, of the story and of the this context of the times it was written. And so they've added a witch's coven. They've added a, uh, an apocalyptic prophecy that may or may not come true. They're having a lot of fun with Ichabod Crane being... Very gently puzzled by the modern Is it edgy?
1: One. Is it edgy, or is it just sort of network Is it like? people with problems? Yeah.
5: Uh, it's, TV, it's TV thriller, you know. This but is there any
1: horror to it? it. Because about sure. Crane is a sure. scary... Is there a little blood and guts? Sure. Great. Uh, That's because well, because uh, hey, he's Headless, man. I want to see some blood the, and, the and the guts. The
0: writing is yeah, Alex Kersman, it. Roberto well, Orsi, and Lynn Wiseman, who did The uh, Underworld. Um,
5: and then uh, uh, in the pilot, the Headless horseman, horseman, he's a Hessian soldier. He runs around horseback, on horseback without a head, waving an axe. Towards the end, he winds up with an AR-15 and his machine-gunning police cars. Whoa, okay, okay, okay. It's, okay, okay. it's, it's you, fun and exciting. Sounds fun and exciting. Yeah. Did you have one more? It's um, so a little later. I was uh, asked by somebody here not to mention it because it's in December, but I will mention anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's not just uh, October, November. Mob City on TNT. It's Frank Darabont's new show. December. Uh, December 4th. It's on TNT. TNT is not a huge cable network. But it appears to be about um, crooked cops and gangsters in L.A. in the 40s, perhaps right after the war during the war. That seems to me like an incredibly rich and who's the, uh, world of story that they can draw upon. Who's the showrunner? Uh, it might be Frank Darabont, actually. So it great. might be TNT's play into, into I, high-end drama. Prestige, this stuff's called Prestige TV, basically. Right. And so all, yeah, maybe. The, um, all the cable channels, you really want to get some Prestige TV. Even the non-fiction channels like Natchez, <coughs> Discovery, and History. The Weather Channel. Weather Channel. Awesome. Uh, they're all looking for ways to break into really genuine drama, and I think this is TNT's big show. It's a good
1: time to be writing scripted TV. Absolutely. Victoria, this fall, are you looking forward to anything?
2: You had a movie. I saw a movie. How's that?
1: Okay, something that you saw this week that you recommend.
2: Right. I recommend The Fifth Estate. Uh, uh, Justin Ken- uh, Cumberbatch. Benedict, Benedict
1: Cumberbatch.
0: Cumberbatch. It's Cumberbatch. in uh, theaters October 18th.
2: Ah, ah, okay. I got to see a sneak preview then.
1: And your re- recommendation?
2: I recommend it highly. It's written... Who, who wrote it?
1: Daniel Dumscheitberg, David
0: Lee, Luke Harding. Quite a few. Not as so important as to whether you those Those were the guys that wrote the okay. book. The guy that uh, adapted it Josh it. Singer.
2: Okay, and the guy who directed it, Bill Condon, is a very famous director who did Gods and Monsters. Very nice. Um... But anyway, uh, Cumberbatch is undoubtedly a superstar. I mean, he is so amazing in this role. Anyway, he steals the entire film.
5: Is the story, do they manage to make Julian Assange compellingly uh, charismatic and a, someone you can sympathize with? That's my question. I have yes. a lot of doubts about him in real time. Yes.
2: Yes, they do. But they
1: have, if, to he, be responsible, they have to play both sides. He cannot right. be a hero. He cannot be a villain. There has to be complexity. But right. what
2: they do is they they start him off as a very sincere um, character who's trying to improve the world. Who's 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 on a mission to reveal, you know, you know,
0: secrets, diffi-
2: secrets to the world, and uh, and then little by little he becomes more and more controlling and more and more kind of out of control yeah. till. The end, and we we see you really they and they leave you with this question, you know, is it, you know, was he uh, an egomaniac or was he just, you know, too fanatic?
1: You you said that you you would like to see Cumberbatch cast.
2: I would like to see Benedict Cumberbatch cast as Christian Grey in Fifty Shades of Grey.
1: Now, see that would lend some complexity to that shallow, you know. Um, franchise, because he's not, like, handsome handsome. He's an interesting look. He has depth, right?
2: His depth, he, he could be character.
1: He, he could he's, be a little
2: off. He's a little menacing, and he's, uh, I, I think he would have been perfect. but anyway, that's You'd like to have
1: him menacing. in your Red Room of Pain, huh? No. Where's Get the it. applause? Okay,
0: on uh, so on for, that uh, note, the, the the writer, the guy that adapted the book that was made into the Fifth Estate, Josh Singer, he's done a bunch of stuff for The West Wing, Fringe, and Lie to Me. Good so you, you, I think, he's all over the place. Well, everything he's done previously is TV, at least according to IMDb. Yeah. Uh, but he's done some solid shows. Fringe had a great following. Uh, Lie to Me, I think, only lasted maybe two or three seasons. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was maybe two. Yeah, it was, a, it was a procedural, you know, so this is in his wheelhouse, so this is his leap to future films. More power to him. Sounds like he did a good movie. Mm-hmm. Let's throw
5: in uh, Wolf of Wall Street, by the
1: way. Okay, so, okay, we're going to do Wolf of Wall Street. But it's I not going to be released. Finally I got pushed oh, back, yeah.
5: yeah oh, so really? Into Yay! January, not, way a,
0: too long.
1: not a good yeah. sign. A friend
0: of mine uh, from USA, like, she's on the Roger Ebert site now, which yeah. is, like all over Facebook. She's like, I'm so disappointed. All right, before the we cast it aside, like, I would long.
1: just like to say any movie cast in the 90s or set in the 90s, I'm there. I would love to see them. It's finally time to start seeing movies set in the 90s David, and we're living in 2013. The no, but the 90s was my decade, man. So, um, <laughs> and finally, and, and when... And oh, and when Leo casts himself in age-appropriate roles, he can actually do a decent job. So I'm excited to see that. I
5: what? saw a trailer, I saw an extended trailer that was just... Uh, just... Pure rock star, it was yeah. awesome. Like you were jumping out of your jaw, yeah. I place. can't so wait no, to it's see. A thrill ride thriller, at least.
1: Scorsese usually doesn't go too long. I guess he's got issues, okay. So, um, and he's not shooting it in 3D, which said he said he's going to do from now on since you go. An independent yeah, yeah. film that's out right now, I don't know how much longer it's out, but if it comes out soon on DVD or on demand, the best writing I've seen this summer is called Short Term 12.
2: No, I've read about it, yeah. okay.
1: Dan, uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton. He has two features under his belt. New director, writer-director. This movie is beautifully written, perfectly directed. His previous feature was called I Am Not a Hipster. Both of those films are amazing. I remember you talking about I Am Not a Hipster. Unbelievable. His next movie also, Short Term 12, just a hit. Okay? It's a beautiful little films. Little films, some of the best writing. It's about um, the staff of a sort of a halfway house for um for kids between foster homes it's brilliant beautifully acted um beautifully written perfectly directed
3: sound in theaters now it's in
1: theaters limited release it'll be on demand soon is it uh is it like on video on demand like uh
0: downloads on i
1: don't know man i don't know where it is wherever it is find it just google it short term 12. yeah, don't steal it. Don't steal it. No, I mean, the, the, I'm, I'm sure yeah. limited release. The guy has got to pay his rent. Um, TV wise, I'm looking at, forward to HBO's True Detectives. McConaughey, Woody Harrelson as dark, dark police guys. Like the you know, is a, a setting where you know, you know, they're they're both devils, but the devils around them are even worse. And it's. Um, from the uh, it comes from the same showrunner as The Killing, which I was a fan of. Has anybody else liked Killing? Uh, I like the first season I do. tried, it. it was
5: a little
1: slow. Yeah, it's a little bit, it was a little bit slow. I bought into it. Nick Pizzolato, I love The Killing, I'm a fan of it because I can handle a little bit of a slow draw. Um, But uh, I'm looking to the
0: original on Hulu plus the thing it was based off of. So if maybe maybe that it's Swedish, Norwegian,
1: something like that. Yeah, it was. But the third season is totally original, and they got they went a little bit more serial killer on it. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Anybody else? Last.
3: I mean, I just think we should shout out the Coen Brothers film. I'm obviously very excited for that Mm -hmm. upcoming. Inside Lou and Davis. No, I haven't heard. Yeah, them. it's set, like, in the 50s, it early 60s. Fantastic. Yeah. It's kind
1: good.
3: of like a Bob Dylan sort of mesh of struggling it's about like musician. Some, it's, it is about somebody City. they
0: made up, but about the scene, the folk scene in New York City. Kind of that actor who plays the lead oh, has, to so has to be a
1: singer-songwriter. They have to yeah. pluck him out of somewhere. He's really, yeah. in the trailer, you're like, who is this guy? Charisma, yeah. I want to hear his music.
3: Carrie it. Mulligan, so cool. Mulligan, plays That's the girlfriend. Nice. That's, That's nice. Carrie's yeah. nice. Um, and then, you know, we're recording this, was today, the 26th, September? Yeah, September 26th. Um, tomorrow, Friday, the New York Film Festival opens. Um, and they have, you know, they, they have big movies for their front, last, and center. I think Nebraska by Alexander Payne is one of those three I think Wolf of Wall Street is one of those three, and I think oh, the wow. other... What's that Ben Stiller one? Oh, the Mitty. Um, the that's the, the, that's the centerpiece, so... Um, already
5: in pre-disappointed, but...
3: Really? Oh, really? So it anyway, just looks other...
5: Ben Stiller makes me grand, to be uh, He's talented, but it's hard to enjoy.
3: Hard But hard to
1: enjoy. on a positive note...
3: I'm going to check out that, that indie one by the... Short Term 12 is great. Short Term 12, yeah. yeah let's
1: Let's end with that. So, um, Just seven minutes, David. Staff, Testament. thank you very much. Of the NYC Screenwriters Collective, thank you very much for your fall preview. Um, the, the script podcast is produced by Tawny Foskett and David Negrin and Patrick Penta. Um, if you, you can check us out on our website, if uh, Google NYC Screenwriters Collective. Uh, if you live in New York City, come to one of our workshops. Um, you can follow us on at Script Feed on Twitter. And our Facebook page under NYC Screenwriters Collective.
3: And you can email us.
1: Script right, scriptfeed at gmail.com with comments, questions, um, well-actually. proclamations, well, actually, to correct Chris particularly. Nobody can see this.
5: But. <laughs> I need a few more social media outreach.
1: <laughs> you think? <laughs> I'm not doing a Pinterest, baby. I won't do it. Won't We're going to be on
5: Etsy I soon. Vine. Why don't we start doing
1: Vine? Oh, Vines would be awesome. Vines would be good.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank you very okay. much.